grace, mercy, and peace, strength, comfort, joy, and his presence be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. As we approach the task of preaching this morning, let us bow our hearts and our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, we pray for you and your spirit, that your spirit would be among us, that you would open up our hearts, our eyes, our ears, and our mind to you and your word, that through your word, we may see your loving heart for us. We ask this in the name of your Son, our Savior. Amen. You may be seated. As Pastor Adam said, we're on the fourth Sunday of Advent that's held on Christmas Eve. Um, And it's kind of a little awkward time. Uh, We can talk about Christmas stuff, but it's not quite Christmas Eve yet in the church calendar. But we're going to do our best. We are on the last gift of our series from Gifts from the King. And if you missed a a week, or maybe perhaps you forgot what they were, we're going to take a quick run through them of what we've covered so far. The first week was the gift of strength. And Pastor Finsky talked to us about the fact that God's strength sometimes doesn't look like the world's strength. And that was just right after Thanksgiving. Pastor Brandt then talked to us about comfort and how God comforts us through repentance and the forgiveness of sins. And just last week, Pastor Adams talked to us about joy and how joy transcends the circumstances that we're in. Which brings us to this morning, and very fittingly, on Christmas Eve, we're going to talk about presence, the gift of God's presence in our lives. And to do that, we're going to take a look at two figures from our readings. The first one, King David, from our Old Testament reading. And the second one is Mary, the mother of Jesus, from our gospel reading. But first, David. You see, the presence of God was active and alive in David's life from the very beginning. And I would argue that without the presence of God in David's life, he wouldn't have been able to live the life that he did, which makes him much like you and I. Take, for example, one of David's most famous chapters in the Bible, 1 Samuel 17, and it's where David fights Goliath. But what's interesting is that just one chapter before that, This little boy, David, is anointed king. And he's already on the battlefield fighting giants. But listen to why he's fighting giants. 1 Samuel 17, verse 45 tells us, Then David said to the Philistine, who's Goliath, You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel. Or in other words, Goliath, you come to me with weapons on your side, but on my side, I come to you with the presence of God of the armies of Israel. You see, David was so sure about the presence of God in his life when others weren't that he fought giants over it. 
But David's life was not all a life of slaying giants. You know, it's very easy for us to portray David as the mighty king of Israel because he was. But he was also just like you and I. There was times in his life when he had to cling to the presence of God in the circumstances that he was in. One of those times involved his own son, Absalom. Now, Absalom tried to take the throne of David right out from underneath his own father, which sparked a military battle, which David did not want for fear of his own son's life. And David's fears, oh, maybe more David's nightmare, became reality. David won the military battle, but at the cost of his son's life. You see that Absalom was was killed because of David's warriors. And this news devastated David, as it would any of us. If we lost loved ones, if we've lost loved ones, or family members, or friends, or maybe especially a child, we know the grief that David was going through. That grief that, that you never get through, but somehow you get, you get over it. David had to hold on to the presence of God with all that he had through faith during that time. Because when death rips our loved ones away from us, sometimes all that we have left is the presence of God. And this was true in David's life. We see that in Psalm 13. You see, Psalm 13 was a psalm that was written during one of, one of David's darkest days of his life. And we don't know that it was written during the, the death of his son Absalom, but it sure is fitting. It starts like this. How long, O Lord? How long will you forget me forever? It goes on to say, how long will you hide your face from me? In Psalm 13, it's it's just a, a short psalm, but it's the end that rings true to us this morning. It ends saying, but I've trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation because he has dealt bountifully with me. See, David, even through it all, held tight to the presence of God through his life. Which brings us to our reading this morning. 2 Samuel 7, you see, David has realized that God has indeed dealt bountifully with him. He's realized that God's presence has been in his life throughout his his whole life. And it's affirmed in our readings, but it's also affirmed in our lives that God's presence prompts a response from us in faith. And for David, it was building God a a house. And probably for us, it's not single-handedly building a house for God, but there's times in our life when we see God's presence in our lives and we want to give back to him through faith. But David wanted to build God a house, but God had more in store for David that even David could have 
imagined. And the Bible tells us in that very reading that David wanted to build God a house, but in fact it was God who built David a house. And this house would be David's lineage. This house would be God's promise that one of his descendants would reign on his throne forever. That one of his descendants would reign forever. Which brings us to Mary. Mary in our gospel reading has her encounter with the angel Gabriel, where the angel was unfolding the plan of salvation to Mary, where the angel was telling Mary about the presence of God in her life and in our life as well that took on human flesh. And there's three things that we can glean from this text about the presence of God in her life and in ours as well. And the first one is this, that God's favor and God's presence go hand in hand. If we have God's favor, we also have God's presence. But it's in that order. For we can't say if we have God's presence, we have God's favor. Because there's times in the Bible where God's presence was to bring judgment. You have God flooding the world. You have, you have Sodom and Gomorrah. You have Jesus chiding the Pharisees during his earthly ministry. We can't say that God's presence bring God's favor. But in fact, with boldness and confidence, we can say God's favor brings God's presence. Because we are just like Mary. We have the favor of God. And it was the angel Gabriel's greeting to Mary that confirmed this for us. He says, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. God's favor and God's presence. And through what Jesus has done for us on the cross, we also have God's favor in our lives. Which brings us to our second point. And our second point is that the presence of God in our life elicits trust from us. Again, we can see it when, with Mary's response to the angel Gabriel. Mary says, Behold, I'm the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Mary's saying, God, I'm, I'm just a, a servant, and I don't understand everything, but I trust you. And we saw that in, in David's life, where David trusted God through all of his circumstances. But that response of trust is not easy. It's actually counterintuitive to our human nature. For because of our human nature, we only want to trust Ourselves, And we see that play out in our lives where we trust somebody with something and they let us down. We trust somebody with something to do and that they're going to do it and then they let us down. But God's presence never lets us down. However, if I stand up here in this very pulpit at 10.05 in the morning on Christmas Eve and tell you that your life is going to be great 
and it's going to be a dandy life, and you're going to love all of it. I'm nothing more than a fool. Which brings us to our third point, which hits home to us. Hits home to us because of the time of the year that it is, for it's the most wonderful time of the year where there's much mistletoeing and hearts would be glowing that loved ones are near. It's the most wonderful time of the year. And you're welcome for not singing that to you this morning. (laughs) Though that song rings true sometimes, it certainly doesn't ring true all the time. And all we have to do is look at this last year's of events and realize that. For example, the 58 people that got shot down at the concert in Las Vegas, where was the presence of God in their life? Those people that were displaced from the fires this year. How about our brothers and sisters in Christ in Sutherland Springs, Texas, that was worshiping the Prince of Peace that morning and was killed because of it? Did God just somehow decide to to step off of his throne for just a quick minute that morning? How about the, the racial undertones in our society that's continuing to divide us? Or the polarity that politics has brought to it this year? Or how about the power that that men seem to be using to to dehumanize women and not only in the workforce. We all have those times in our life when we're worshiping the Prince of Peace and we confess those words to be true and we sing it in a song, but we look at our Twitter feeds and our Instagram feeds and our Facebook feeds. Heck, we look at the news We don't even need to look at the news. We look at our neighbors and see that there is not peace. So what's that third point? What's that third point that we can learn from the presence of God in Mary's life and in our life as well? It's this, that the presence of God is not always obvious. It wasn't obvious in in Mary's life. She says, "I'm, I'm a virgin, how can this be? You see, the presence of God, that morning in Sutherland Springs, Texas, it was not obvious. The presence of God that night in Las Vegas, it was not obvious. And the presence of God that first Christmas was not obvious. For it was only Mary and Joseph, the shepherds, and perhaps the wise men, that knew that the Son of the living God had come down in human form for us. If anybody else would have walked past that scene, they would have just seen an infant boy wrapped in rags lying in a manger. 
Nobody in their right mind would have thought that that was the son of the living God because it wasn't obvious. But the presence of God in that infant boy that brings us comfort, hope, and joy, and strength. That is Pastor Brant's job, and he's going to talk about that at the Christmas Eve services this afternoon. But we're going to end our sermon this morning with the words of Mary, the words of, of trust that Mary told to the angel Gabriel, and I pray that they ring true in your lives as well. Would you read the words on the screen with me? Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Come soon, Lord Jesus. Amen. We, we pray. Heavenly Father, we know that your presence is not always obvious in our life, but we know that it's there because you have promised it to be, and you never fail on your promises. We ask, Lord, that we are to be the presence of God in other people's lives, that we go love our neighbors this Christmas Eve, tomorrow and Christmas Day, and for the rest of our lives. We ask all of this in the name of your Son, our Savior. Amen.